This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. Central.com. It is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk. This is on radio. This is unscripted. And this is this morning absolutely uncensored. Uncensored. <laughs> we start from the beginning uncensored. And Lee is with me this morning. Good Hello. morning. Hi. And thank you for being here. This is really cool. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. I'm looking forward to an interesting discussion. And everybody has their clothes on today. Yep. <laughs> Anything can change. <laughs> so, very cool indeed. So, let us start with this. Dirty dictionary word. Psychrosism. Huh. You can't work this one out. You either know it or you don't. I think, anyway. Any idea? Psychrom. Psychrosism. Psycho, as in it starts with a PS? Yes. Okay, so that has to do with the mind. Mm. So a mind orgasm? No. No? So far away. So far away. Okay, I have no idea. So if you think you know what psychrosism is, that's quite a strange one. But I must say, I kind of like the idea of it. Some of it, anyway. Psychrosism. WhatsApp us on 0797482090. We would love to hear what you think. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so, it has some interesting possibilities. Okay. I would like to start this morning, because we are talking about sexual freedom, moving into hmm. freedom of pleasure. Um, the patterns that we live with, the inhibitions, the limitations, the judgments that we put on our sexuality and how we free ourselves from this and how we get to what happens when you free yourself mm-hmm. from this. And that's interesting, the, what happens when you do. So I would like to start with an email that I received yesterday that has some incredibly powerful words in it that really struck me. Um, For a long time, I thought that there was something wrong with me, that if I just had enough therapy or something or became enlightened enough, these desires would go away. After a while, I accepted them when I realized they were not uncommon. Freeing myself from this I describe as exciting and terrifying too. Terrifying because I'm having to let go of all of my stories, all my control dramas, all my limiting patterns. All the ways I've dismissed or made trivial my own and others' desires, unconsciously, for fear of the vulnerability it would mean to do otherwise. The layers of numbness and forgetting are falling away I am dissolving, opening. Hmm. And those have just the most phenomenal power. Hmm. And in that is the acceptance of, of ourselves as sexual beings. Right. And I look at my own sexual journey and how hard some aspects of myself were to accept. Hmm. You need to say more than hmm. I'm kind of thinking um, because I wonder if um, – because I do know of some people who are completely asexual as well. So for them, funny enough, it was actually hard to accept themselves as asexual Mm. beings. They felt this need to be constantly sexual in a world where sex is so – 
normalized. So for them, being asexual meant that they were deviant and they kept trying to find ways to become sexual and um, getting into situations where it was actually uncomfortable mm. and traumatizing as well and trying to force themselves to be sexual. So there's also that element as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because mm. it's such a, <clears throat> a different take on it. Yeah. And this expectation that we have and enormous pressure to be sexual. Right, or what is considered as normal sexuality. So mm. maybe just in terms of sexuality as well, there's this idea of um, everything has to be heteronormative. So if you deviate from heteronormative sexuality, then it's a problem and you have to try to fix it, whether it's wanting to have too much sex or wanting to mm. have, I don't know, like out-of-the-box sex or homosexual sex, um, yeah, or just being asexual. Mm. Yeah, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so the expectation of that is huge. Yes. And I was sitting and thinking about this a little bit um, earlier before we came into the studio. And I realized how limiting the model we get of sexuality right. is. Mm. So I talk about this. I call it kind of the Disney porn combo. So mm. what we get from porn is actually a very limited perspective yes, on sexuality. Yeah. And then the Disney side of it, which is things like chick flicks and the rom-coms right. and the soap operas and Cosmo and mm. all of that. Just as by the by, do you know what magazine has been given the title of the worst sex advice in the world? Cosmo, Cosmo. yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so interesting thing about it, though, is the model that it gives is so limiting. Yes, yeah. Because they both are very narrow. And unless, until you start exploring kind of a lot of different porn, let's say, you get an incredibly, as you said, heteronormative porn, mm. which is very <clears throat> limited in, in terms of the actual sex act yeah, and the power being in, in orgasm. But also I think because um, like most of the porn that we watch is made by men. And also the drive to make the porn is obviously money. Um, and then like where do we find porn created by women where we can see sex through a woman's eye or mm. just from a different eye? Or where do we find sex made by homosexuals? Because everything in the porn industry at the moment – well, not everything, but most porn is created by heterosexual men. Mm. So the viewpoint that we're getting is kind of like this underdeveloped heterosexual male view of what sex should look like with oversized breasts and um, tiny vaginas and big cocks. So there's that um, element as well in what's considered as normal in sex. Yeah. So... There is a whole stream of porn that is being produced now by um, ex-female porn actresses okay. who are now making porn more for women. Um, they're making porn that is more real. Yes. And that's really interesting. Yeah. So we know that in Finland a while ago, what they did was they got a whole lot of normal couples, normal meaning okay. average people, mm. to have sex. And be filmed in all its ridiculous, <coughs> all its ridiculousness and all its absurdity, um, and show that actually on TV okay. to get people away from the idea of this porn. Right. Um, Speaking about porn um, in that kind of um, absurdity, I don't mean in the Finland one. Um, I was just thinking like most of the porn that I find unrelatable is because of the ridiculous stories that they have or it's just just fucking. Hmm. But what I find more stimulating or most stimulating is a kind of porn that makes sense where the story development is, oh, that could happen. You know, where it's like, let's say just a normal office setting and you are... Um, approached by your boss, let's say. But the story has to be feasible. It has mm. to have a chance of happening, you know, because that's, I think, what makes you excited because there's a chance of it happening, whereas, or at least for women maybe, 
Whereas if there's no chance of it happening, like the pizza boy comes over and yeah. he fucks you or you fuck him, like that doesn't make sense. How could that ever happen? Mm. So at the end of the day, you're left with, that's absurd. I can't get off of that. Yeah. And the expectation that that level of porn brings. Yeah. And then what kind of the, mm. <clears throat> the other side of it, the, the chick flicks and rom-coms and all of that, right. the expectation that that brings to porn yeah. or, or that that brings to sex. Mm. Not to porn, but to sex rather. Yes. And it's this incredibly sanitized view mm. of sex and relationships that doesn't include the messiness, that doesn't include the emotion. And no creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And no, there's no sensuality in it. There's actually right. no, <clears throat> in either of them, there's no intimacy. Yes. Because they're both illusions. Except perhaps... I don't know if you know Emmanuel from Yes. <laughs> like I thought that was the perfect picture of what porn or just erotic films should be because for me that was like the epitome of what So like, you're talking about the first Emmanuel no, movie. No, the second and third. Okay. Just the second and third. Okay. Um for me those two were like wow, yeah. Wait, the first one was she Where was she in the first one? Was it a different actress? Hmm, that's a good question. Sylvia Crystal, her name is. She was a Dutch, is a Dutch woman. Oh, uh, yes, that's the one. So it's the first and second one that I was, I was okay. taken by. Because yeah. they were kind of more in the category of what's called soft porn. Yeah. Where yeah. there's not a lot of explicit genitals. There's not a lot of kind of well, explicit yes. penetration. Um, and I remember them and I remember the book as well. I think I yes. read the book before okay. the movies. Yeah. I remember it because sometime, this year or last year, I saw a documentary oh. Oh, on okay. the Emmanuel franchise, which right. is up to, I don't know, 17, 18, yes, 50,000 movies, two. whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and they were all kind of the same. Okay. And it was very much about what had happened to her oh, I see. afterwards as a, as a person. Okay. And she was living this incredibly, in inverted commas, normal life. Yes. Um, and I think she actually got financially very little from it. Oh, wow. But she became quite popular afterwards because she appeared in quite a few American uh, films as the sexual being mm. because she was considered as the sexual goddess at that time. Yeah. And <clears throat> they were actually quite sensual. Mm, um, I yeah. remember them being quite beautifully filmed. The The images, especially like, I don't know if you remember the massage scene with the Thai mm, ladies Kind of Yeah but for me Just the fact that they Went out of their way To get creative shots mm. Of the bodies Rather than just getting This average porn shot Of what you think Would be sexy Like that wasn't enough They had to take it Onto a cinematic level mm. Or even the part With the acupuncture Where she's having Orgasm from it Like how beautiful Were those shots Yeah I think uh um, what, YouTube, Pornhub, whatever Is going yeah. to be quite busy later tonight Everybody <laughs> looking for Emmanuel. Emmanuel So it's out there But the thing is The expectation um, That we have And if I take that in line with those words That I read um, From a really beautiful woman Of incredible beauty and power um, It doesn't include The fullness of our sexuality and that's where the judgment comes from, that we're expected to have this very limited sex, this very right. kind of orgasm-oriented sex. And what happens when you are more than that? Mm. And the thing is that almost all of us <clears throat> are more than that. Yes. Yeah. So what do we do with that? Because we're not given a space for it. Yeah. And then as soon as we want to express something more than that, it's considered almost deviant. Especially when you're having, um, like back in the day when I was fucking around with a lot of people, um, like the one thing that I did pick up was, especially South African men, um, because I've, there's a definite difference between South African men versus European men. Mm -hmm. Um, they have a problem with becoming intimate in a space where you're only going to see the person once or twice where you can't explore that person in a deeper level than just skin, the outside skin. Mm. So it has to be ass, boobs, naked, nice, and then let's just fucking go. Whereas with the European men, there was this need to connect with you mind to mind, heart to heart, and this need to express how 
much you enjoy that person in terms of their beauty and in terms of saying thank you for being here with me today. And then this, there was no expectation of sex as well. There was just this idea that, okay, we're in a mutually sensual space. Whatever happens, happens. Mm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, there's a, <clears throat> and it brings up kind of, I think from a European perspective and making some generalizations yes, here, yeah. because so much of Europe has been there for so long, right. there's almost like a, an appreciation of mm. something just being a little bit slower. Yes, exactly. We've yeah. been here for <clears throat> 150, 300 years. This mm. particular house has stood. It's not going to fall down in five minutes. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> relax and take a breath. Mm. And it's not this immediacy. Yes. That's there. And that takes us to an amazingly different depth. Right. And I think also that a lot of South African sexuality has been modeled on an American sexuality. Mm. And the American sexuality is actually very prudish. Yes. It's not open. It's very not sensual. So, yeah. It's, again, very much that porn model in yeah. a way. And I think it just makes me aware of, of how much that comes out of America as well is actually this illusion. Yeah. I mean, like, um, just the idea that you have to be married in order to have that level of sex. Mm. Or even in marriage, maybe that's not even there. But... If you're going to have a one night stand, for example, or if the girl that you're fucking is, um, you know, not a long term relationship, then there's this kind of closed idea of, okay, then it's basically going to be like a fuck, mm. like a porn, porn kind of sex. Yeah. And it makes such a difference. And what that brings up is <clears throat> the understanding that intimacy is about ourselves. Yes. It's not about anybody else. Because mm. when we're waiting for somebody else to be intimate, we can wait a long time. Yeah. And then it's dependent on them. Right. And this is where healing our own sexuality becomes mm. so important. Because then we see, I will be as intimate in any given situation as I choose to be. Yes. If you match that, that is incredibly powerful and expansive. Yes. yeah. And that's where things really open. Mm. But the intimacy then is much more about me. Yeah. How in my heart am I willing to be? How much of myself am I willing to reveal or share? Right. Um, I think what's interesting is um, I've actually had someone tell me that, um, uh, like, in terms of why is the sex different now? compared to earlier and he said because it's um like it's not worth the investment it wasn't worth the investment mm. then why should it be different um earlier on in the relationship versus later on in the relationship like why can't we um agree from the beginning the, the moment you have connection with that person um to kind of delve into that person as deep as possible rather than kind of saving that until later when you know that it's going to be a stable relationship. Mm. That just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm exploring and going deeper with someone than I've ever, ever been. Yes. And that's come out of my journey, out of my right. growth. And it's so important to acknowledge how much of your sexuality and your relationships are about you in that. Mm. And when you make that kind of agreement with someone that that is the most important thing, yeah. that you are going to go deeper into yourself and that allows you to go to that place with someone else right. who's doing their own work. Yeah. And that just becomes this phenomenal exponential spiral of of growth and pleasure and sharing and, mm. and intimacy. I think there are so many people out there, especially um, men and women in South Africa, um, who are like, why aren't I having amazing sex? Mm. Or like they'll meet someone who they will have amazing sex with and they ask, how come I don't have that with everyone? It must be you, mm. you know, whereas actually like you can bring that out of people and you can bring that out of yourself 
it's just the way that you approach sex from the beginning that um, determines how the sex is mm. going to go. Yeah, and that's interesting. I wrote an article a while ago, and I'll find it, and we'll put it up as a resource, which was about how to have better sex, great sex. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, what does that actually mean? Because a lot of people come along and they come to my workshops or they come to, <laughs> yeah. to see me personally and say, I want to have better sex. Yeah. And then you have to ask, so what does that actually mean? Mm. And for some people, they actually have no idea. Yes. They just have this kind of romanticized idea of That's what they it. see in the films. Like, oh, but I don't get that whoosh kind of thing. I don't arch my back like that. Yeah. So um, I think the movies, as you said, kind of distort us into thinking, you know, better sex is that. And then, but also because you're only seeing it and not feeling it, you also don't know what that is. That's it. You're seeing an, an image and you're yes. seeing, it's also a thing that people don't always get, especially from a movie point of view, the editing that goes into something like that. Right. You know, that you might have five cameras filming a scene from five different angles mm. and that's edited into one piece. Yeah. If you had to try and do that, and watch yourself from five different angles. You'd have to do the same thing five times. Yes. So, again, it's that illusion. Mm. And that's what people think it is, instead of understanding the power of the heart in that. Yeah, and also the power of the mind. A lot of mm. it is in the state of mind as well of, okay, I'm going to invest in this person at this moment in time. Mm. And really invest in what I'm doing in the present so I can feel pleasure from it, from just touching her skin, mm. from, and the amount of enjoyment that the other person gets in watching you enjoy them is just incredible as well. And then you kind of feed off of that energy and it just blooms into something amazing. Yeah. That's a really interesting word you've used there is, is investment. Mm. Um, because that's something that's actually really personal. Yes, yeah. Um, and, you know, I gave a talk last night uh, with York about the parallels between sex and business and relationship and business. Yes. And the idea of investment <sighs> becomes huge. That we used a beautiful analogy talking about orgasm as being kind of almost like a flash in the pan. Yeah. So orgasm is like a big salary or it's like somebody makes a lot of money really quickly, mm. but there's no sustenance with that. Yeah. There's no substance to actually build and grow something. Mm. And intimacy is where the power of that is. Yes. So from a business point of view, in terms of a relationship, it's intimate. Yeah. That you know your customers, they know you, there's a connection that allows mm. something to expand. Yeah, and to also just connect in a way that's meaningful and um, actually more than surface value. Because even in business, I mean, imagine you are with a client and you really show them that you care about them. And there's like this deepness to your interaction with them. You don't just make it a kind of like, okay, get the cash and go. It's kind of like, oh, how have you been doing? And how is your children? Mm. And I, I remember you mentioned the last time you went on holiday or you're going to go on holiday. How was that? And just that and just the level of how you listen to them as well, uh, because not many people get listened to on that mm. kind of level. They really feel that impact and it, it urges them to come back to you because you're with them on a personal level not just the superficial um, cash level. Mm -hmm. And I think the same with partners is if you're with them on a personal level, even in sex, you don't get that often, especially um, on one night stands. Yeah. But imagine you're with them on that personal level and you really look into them, not just look at their bodies. Mm -hmm. That's huge uh, on, on a few levels. Um, mm -hmm. I had an incredibly emotional session with a client this week who realized we were talking about communication mm. and she realized that she actually talks over people. Yeah. Um, and after she'd kind of been talking about the way that she communicates and things, and I asked her a question, I said, when did people stop listening to you? Uh. And there was this moment of silence and then these tears where she realized how long in her life nobody had actually listened to oh, her. Oh, shame. Yeah. Um, and then I realize how many people listen to 
talk. They don't listen to listen or listen to hear. Yes. And during sex, there is the most incredible power in stopping to listen. Yes. Not yeah. only to listen to what your partner wants, mm. not only their fantasies, not only what it is that they would like to do, but to actually listen to their body and yes. listen to their yeah. heart and listen to their energy. Yeah. And you have to find a stillness within yourself and a quiet to be able to do that. Right. Mm. And the power of that is enormous because that's intimacy. Yes. And that's connection. Yeah. And I think when you stop to listen, you're actually forcing yourself to give more time to whatever you're doing. And, and that's so important in building up something. You can't build up a climax in a short amount of time. The longer you wait, the stronger the climax yeah. as well. And the more satisfying and the yes. more, the more yeah. layers are involved. Exactly. Then you don't just look back on it and say, Oh, I just fucked that person. You think, Oh, I did that. I did this. I remember this. And there's this kind of, Lovely um, memory that you're making, mm. a story that you're creating, something that you can look back on and also masturbate to. How many people can say that, that they can masturbate to something that they've done with another person? Mm. And that's something I talk about quite a lot. Um, it was an article I wrote quite a long time ago where we used different food analogies for sex. Mm. So we started out with the idea of fast food sex, which is kind of – yeah. Well, <laughs> we started out – no, we started out with junk food sex. Okay. So junk food sex is almost like the McDonald's of sex. Yes. It fills your stomach, mm. but there is no nutritional value. Yes. That's all that it does. Yeah. So it might even be an orgasm, but it's kind of quite empty because yeah. it's purely that physical and that's all. There's mm. nothing else there. Fast food sex is the quickies and that can be nutritious, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily kind of the junk. Yes. And then there is comfort food sex. Yes. So, like in my family, for example, um, roast chicken is probably top of the list of comfort foods. Oh. <laughs> so, what would it be in your family? Um, it would probably be rice with kimchi and some soup. Okay. Yeah, that's comfort food for us. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And you know that it's familiar, mm. but it's nutritious, and you can kind of, you can really yes. kind of sit with that, you know? Yeah, and you can eat it every day. Yeah. yeah. And then there's gourmet sex. Yes. And that's a whole other mm. story. You really have to kind of prepare for that. You have to have a recipe, a menu. There yes. has to be yeah. consensus. There's preparation of the space. There's care. Mm. There's intimacy. Um, and that kind of what touches your and soul. And creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge in terms of, of sexual freedom um, and getting out of the expectations that we have. You need to be creative to do that. Yes. Because you do what you do mm. and you know what you do, whether it works or not is irrelevant, mm. whether it's fulfilling or not is irrelevant. The interesting thing is we are so conditioned by, again, sex and, and, and porn and rom-coms and all of that yeah. to do what we do. Yes. And I'm going to tell you now, and I, I spend a lot of time with people who don't have orgasms and struggle mm. to have orgasms yeah. and have painful sex and all sorts of things like that. So as wonderful as orgasms are, they become a trap Yeah, because of the pressure that we put on that and the performance and the fact that once you've had an orgasm, everything's done, finished, game oh, over. That is so – that is the worst thing, I think, about – um, certain types of men because there's this idea that once the woman orgasms, that's it. Let's stop. Yeah. And then he'll have the orgasm and then that's, that's the end. Whereas there's, there isn't this idea. Okay. Let's continue. I've had my orgasm, but we can continue because mm. we're in the sexual, um, atmosphere and I don't want to stop that. Whereas, yeah, I think a lot of men think that. The end point of sex is an orgasm, mm. whereas I think people who kind of understand a deeper sensuality, 
they know that that's not the end point of sex. The purpose of sex is to create this intimate space with another person, to have the opportunity mm. to connect with another person on a physical level as well as an intimate mm. level. So you know what it brings me to? We spoke about this last night, but it's a huge thing, is the difference between Excuse me. Thank you. The difference between the intention and the goal. Yes. Yeah. So, excuse me. When we have this very goal-oriented sex, that becomes about orgasm. Yes. The intention becomes really different Mm. because my intention is to show you love. Yes. My intention is to be intimate with you. My intention is to share myself with you. Mm. My intention is to create a space that you can share yourself with me. Right. My intention is to listen to you. Yes. My intention is to reveal myself to you. Mm. If that's our intention, then the sex we're going to have has to be so different. Yes. And if you think about that, I don't know that most people know how to have sex that would express that. Yeah, because um, most of the time the goal is to just have the act of sex and orgasm. And yeah, I think we forget that we're humans. We're not just animals. Mm. I mean, we're, I mean, apart from primates, we're one of the only types of mammals to have sex for entertainment and pleasure and to connect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting to say, so if you wanted to express those things, what would you actually sexually do? You mean uh, to achieve intimacy? Yeah. And for most people, they have no idea. So because we work on patterns, people Mm. just go back into their pattern. And even a lot of people who talk about, they want to learn about tantric sex. And they think that all that that is is it's much slower, it's much longer. Uh, But they're doing exactly the same thing. And it's not just about genitals and putting something in some, which is fine and fantastic. But what happens if you could do something totally different with that? And you'd actually have to sit there and think, so if I didn't know what to do, what would I do? It has a um, element of awareness, I think. Um, just, I remember when I did yoga by myself for the first time, because um, you're obviously just looking at things to do, and you're not listening to okay, engage your body or get your senses to your toes, things yeah. like that. And then when I went for a class, it was completely different. Um, there was this person guiding me and saying. Move your awareness to your toes. Move your awareness to your head. And really, truly relax and listen to your breathing. Like, I think it's kind of relates to sex in the sense that if you're just having sex, you're doing all the actions, but you're not aware of what you're doing. Mm. And you're just doing things in a pattern, as you say. Then it's going to be a completely superficial experience compared to really being aware of what you're doing and what you're doing to the other person. And... Finding the space in yourself to listen to your body as you do these things as well, then you you really get to a different level of awareness. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think to start on that journey, one of the most important things that I could tell you would be slow down mm. and then slow down some more and then slow down even more. Yes. And then slow down even more than that and breathe. Mm. And that's when you'll start to feel. So there's a big difference between doing sex and being sex. Mm. And one of my early teachers had a saying that we're human beings, not human doings. Yes. (laughs) And our world is on the doing. Everything's about the doing. But I have learned how much of our life is totally paradoxical and upside down and back to front. So I have a theory. I'm going to ramble mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. might be valid or it might not. <laughs> we see things upside down and back to front. Yes. 
And then our brain turns it all around. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's an enormous clue in that. And the simplicity of that is things are not what they seem. Yes. So when we look at something, what we're seeing and what we're looking at might not quite be the same thing Mm. because of that. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Okay. So if we take that idea and put it in a context of, of sexuality, the slower that you go, the more you'll feel. Mm. And when you take that idea of the orgasm as a doing thing out of the equation, you can actually get to be orgasmic mm. rather than doing, rather than having orgasm. Right. Does that make some sense? Yes. <laughs> so the paradox is you have to slow down. Yeah. And the more that you slow down, the more you'll actually feel. Mm. And the power is in the feeling. And I think so many of us are so disconnected from our bodies. Yeah, that is so true. We're so yeah. disconnected from sensation. We're so disconnected from emotion that we allow ourselves to feel a small portion of what we could mm. feel. Because feeling the depth of something is really scary. Yeah, it's a form of surrendering, actually. Mm. Um, just like, um, I think we don't realize how much we limit ourselves in daily life. Um, and um, it's kind of come up as a defense mechanism for humans. There's so much sensory bombardment mm. of everything. I mean, there's a lot that you can be offended by in this 21st century. And there's not enough time to... Be in an intimate space and really surrender yourself to the other person. Yeah, you have to make a very different conscious choice to spend that time mm. and understand that it's not going to happen in five minutes. Time especially. I mean, even if you take it to a business level, mm. I mean, you give that person your time and you really take the time to get to know that person and to make it more than just business, to make it about being two humans interacting each mm. other as well. And that, like, there's so much appreciation from that because no one does that anymore. No one will spend time, even your friends mm. won't spend time with you because um, it's, you know, it's a commodity now. Doing everything quick and mm. getting everything done as quickly as possible is the goal of the day instead of taking the time to get to know the person so it's been said by a lot of people at the moment and some phenomenal teachers that our greatest addiction at the moment is distraction. Yes. And particularly yeah. distraction from ourselves. Because mm. all of the movies, all the books, all the constant electronic bombardment of stuff yeah. keeps us from ourselves. Mm. And I love reading. I love watching movies. Um I spend time on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, part of it's right. a business thing for me, yeah. but it's there and it's sometimes constant and it just distracts us from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we feel, meaning go into our feelings, yeah. the more we'll engage with life incredibly differently. Mm. And for a lot of our world, I think that gets to be quite scary simply because of how much will change when we start living like that. Because yes. this kind of chasing money all the time will become less important. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the main thing is, um, is we realize that the things that we used to care about the most actually are not the most important things. Mm. And when that becomes evident to you, that becomes more um, scary because what can you depend on to give yourself that high again. Like you can't just buy things anymore because you understand that it doesn't give you, uh, well, it's not important. Then, then you have to wonder, well, then what is important? Yeah. And it's a, it becomes like a existential crisis mm. because then you, then you're like, okay, society has created this capitalist system that makes us think that materialism is the most important thing. If that's not true and that's what I grew up with and that's all I know, then what is the alternative? And I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and my self-definition has been locked into that. And when I take that away, then who am I? Exactly. And then I have to start asking that question. Mm. 
And the interesting thing is, um, and this has happened with a lot of people that I've worked with over time, the more we slow down, yeah. in, even in a business sense, actually the more money tends to flow. Yeah. And it's very paradoxical. So a lot of people can't kind of get their heads yeah. around it because I'm not doing as much. And the mindset or the belief is I'm only going to have that amount of money from working hard or working yeah. harder. Yeah. And it's just this belief that we bought into. Yeah. That has nothing to do with, I think, what's real. Yeah. And it keeps this whole system going. So the threat to the system is if more and more people stop buying into the system, the power of the system is incredibly lessened. Yeah. I mean, same with relationships as well. Um We've kind of grown up with this kind of fast-paced, um, okay, so like models of relationships instead of understanding that maybe there is a different type of relationship mm. out there that doesn't have a label yet. Maybe it takes more searching and more um, research on your part, not necessarily scientific research, but um, just in you taking the time to understand what it truly is instead of adapting a model from what society has given us. And then maybe um, your relationship mm. with that person or however many people will just become deeper for that reason because you won't take the societal norm for it. You will take the time to discuss with this person what is this relationship. Yeah. And a lot of what we take as marriage today actually mm. is based more on an economic system yeah, it really is yeah than anything else and if you go back in time to to look at where this kind of marriage actually started yeah. it was simply based on economics politics as well yeah yeah it has nothing to do with the way that humans naturally are no yeah so that alone creates enormous internal conflict within us it has to mm. Yeah, just I think humans have a tendency to put labels on things, mm. and that's also what traps us. Yeah, because if it's not what the label says it is, then what is it? Yeah. then it's wrong. Yeah, I'm gay. I'm straight. I'm bi. I'm yeah. kinky. I'm dominant. I'm submissive. I'm whatever the heck it mm. might be. Instead of you're actually this incredibly fluid being made up of yes. what percentage <laughs> of water? It's like ninety something percent of us is fluid. Uh, is it not 70? Well, whatever it might be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That if that's what most of us is, then we actually are really fluid. Yeah. And we're something one day and tomorrow we might not be the same thing. Mm. And what I thought I was today, I might not be tomorrow. Yeah. Because we're constantly changing. I yeah. mean, in terms of mind growth. Um, I mean, if you're not changing, then that's, that's a scary thing mm. because what have you got to show for yourself yeah. over the last couple yeah. of years? And I was actually asked this last night at, at the talk. And the parallel was in a relationship and in business, when do you walk away? When do you stop mm. kind of fighting for it or really putting energy into it? When do you walk away? And the answer that I gave to both, and I think that York said something similar, was when it stops expanding you. Yes. And when yeah. you cannot be the fullness of you in that. Yes. So the interesting thing about all that we've been saying, and I've been talking about this a lot in my practice lately, there are incredible consequences to claiming more of ourselves and more freedom, mm. which means we will change to the degree that we are willing to change, but sometimes the consequences for our lives and that is huge. Yeah. Which means if you're going to claim more sexual freedom, you have to know that your life is going to change. Yes, definitely. Your relationships are going to change. Mm. Your job might very well change. Your self-definition yeah. is going to change enormously. Mm. The way you look at religion is going to change. The way you look at art, at creativity, at food. Yeah. Everything in this is going to change. And that doesn't mean that you walk out of a marriage. It doesn't mean that you walk out of a job, but it's definitely going to be challenged yeah. or the way that you do it is going to be challenged. But it will be more fulfilling. And I think that's the key thing mm. is um, if it's going to lead 
to a better you and to a more happy you, um, then it's worth the work that you put into mm. it to change um, and to surrender yourself into this. Because it's we always keep such an iron grip on um, normalcy and on st- stability that if anything small changes, it becomes very, very scary and yeah. we're very unwilling to do that. And the interesting thing is that so much of, of what we think of as control is actually an illusion. Yes. And our yeah. world has shown that the past couple of years, how quickly people have lost everything. Yeah. Financially. And people with a lot of money have lost everything. Yeah. Um, how political systems have changed and crumbled. So it's such an illusion. And the more that you can be in that idea of flow. Mm. Yeah, it's a very... Um, <laughs> Like, if there is any philosophy I follow, it really is Taoism Mm -hmm. in the sense that um, the more that you try to fight your natural state on what is most natural to yourself, the more difficult it is to gain anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because all that you're doing is struggling. Yeah. And as soon as you surrender, you actually flow. Yeah. So you need to surrender firstly to yourself. I've actually been thinking about this. And if we go back to kind of almost where we started uh, with those lines that I read of Mm. somebody who was putting an enormous judgment on themselves for the desires that they had, surrendering to yourself allows you to surrender to another ultimately. Yes. But the first part of it is that you have to surrender to who you are. Mm. And your sexual freedom comes from the acknowledgement of all that you are. Mm. And take time to know yourself. Mm. I think, um, I think men especially don't get the opportunity to, um, well, just from my interactions with men, which is, um, it may be like 30 to 50, but it's still not like the whole of mankind, um, does that mean age 30 to 50 <laughs> or 30 to 50 well, men? Well, that as well. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but um, I think there's um, – it's kind of looked down upon for men to be in touch with their emotions because they're always kind of um, asked to be stoic in, um, you know, just by the public yeah. and by society. So it's difficult – to understand that that's needed for yourself as well, to be emotionally one with yourself, to yeah. delve into yourself and really understand what makes you happy, what makes you depressed, mm-hmm. and try to understand all of that is very difficult because you're not even given a cue that that's necessary. Yeah. Gabor Mate talks quite a lot about that, um, this, this idea of being so brave um, in the face of illness, for example, and still carrying on with your life and doing all these things for everybody else instead mm. of saying, I'm important. Yeah. And I need this time for me and I need mm. to know me. And I think so much comes out of the fact that we are not brought up with the idea of how important we are and how important it is and what it means to love ourselves. Yes, yeah. And if you loved yourself and if you lived more from your heart, what choices would you make today? Mm. What kind of relationship would you have out of love for yourself? What kind of sex and what kind of pleasure would you have out of love for yourself? Yeah. Or even like the work that you choose. Absolutely. Or even the partner that you choose because eventually we're told that you have to settle down and all of that. But if that's... Uh, not natural to you, then what would be your option yeah. otherwise? And maybe um, your sexuality might change as well. Yeah. So part of your upbringing would be you yeah. need to find a nice Korean man <laughs> and, yeah. you know, live in whatever way that, yeah. that that dictates. Yeah. And for me, you know, I look at my daughter who's 27 years old okay. and 28 years old. Okay. And how many of the people that she knows are just simply in this expectation of finding a Jewish person yeah. and propagating this idea instead of saying, wait a minute, what do I want yes. in this yeah. world? And Tom Chi talks about, he talks about the meaning of, or the purpose of life. And he says, the purpose of life is to further life. Yes. So what of yourself are you bringing to life today? Mm. Which part of you? 
And if you're bringing your heart And if you're bringing love And if you're bringing possibility If you're bringing intimacy to life That's what you're furthering Mm. Not a system, not a pattern, not an idea Not fear, not anxiety, not frustration That Yeah, and I wonder how many people Whether in work, sex or relationships or friendships How many of us actually um, goes go into it to bring fulfillment because a lot of the times we find that it's very empty mm. and at the end of our interaction with that person or with work or with sex we're left with this emptiness and we don't feel fulfilled um, we don't have a happiness that lasts so yeah I think that question really is um very relevant mm. in South Africa today. Yeah. So really simply, <clears throat> there's no such simple in this discussion. And yeah. on one level there is. Slow down. Mm. Slow down some more. Slow down some more. Breathe. Feel. Get into your heart and live from there. Thank you. <laughs> This Thank has you, been Dr. really beautiful. I've yeah. really enjoyed this enormously. And it's really deep sharing. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's going to touch a lot of people. And I really thank you for that. Thank you for inviting me. So, psychosism yes. is a fetish for cold oh, or so being with someone cold or cold objects like an ice cube. Oh, I see. Like an ice dildo. That is so strange. Mm. Usually you'd prefer something hot. <laughs> think about the possibilities of that ice on your skin in the South African sun. Okay. It's trickling down your back and between the cheeks of your butt and running over your anus and running down into the flower of your yoni. Hmm. That could be really interesting now. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, we are doing water flow massage. Information is on, it's around. So please have a look for that. Um, visit my website, www.eroslife.co.za. I'm writing a lot lately, um, and most of it's going on my website and on Facebook. So please have a look at that. And again, I'm really grateful for this time with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's thank been you. really, really beautiful. Um, and I wish you all so much pleasure. This is CliffCentral.com.